audio check. Today's episode is the audio of an interview I did with Brian from the Pharmacy Informatics Academy. We spoke primarily about an APPE that we created at VUCA Health for uh, helping students that were uh, displaced from their uh, their last block of their rotations uh, due to the pandemic. So I uh, really hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I'm going to include the video um, and all the links to connect with Brian in the show notes if you're interested. Um, and then the resource that you'll hear us talk about, I'll also put that in the uh, show notes as well. Hope you enjoy. special guest today, uh, someone that I've known for, I don't know how long, it's been over a year? Something it's like been that. at least a year. <laughs> Pretty cool, and the first time we're actually really interacting. But uh, Richard Waithe, I uh, want to thank you so much for coming on here, but the very first thing I want to say before we start anything is that um, I'm pretty sure I'm speaking on behalf of everyone in pharmacy. You know, thank you for uh, taking the initiative to do these kind of virtual rotations, because um, I saw your Twitter posts. Uh, I have it pulled up because I was just like, wow, this is, this is amazing. But on March 12th, you posted, um, you know, amidst this pandemic that you wanted to help out in any way you can. And so I think I speak on behalf of a lot of folks in pharmacy that thanks for taking the initiative uh, to do that. Um, and thanks for being here and speaking uh, with us today. Uh, but uh, for those who are on the live stream, just a quick thing about format. I do have a list of questions that um, I hope to ask Richard um, that will hopefully shed some light to either students, APP coordinators, schools of pharmacy about virtual rotations. And then second, because this is a live stream, we're going to take some questions from whoever is in the live stream and, and see where that goes. But um, all right, let's let's jump in and start. Um, I'm always very curious about the background of individuals, especially for those who may be seeing you for the first time. If you could, for maybe just a minute or two minutes, share just a little bit about your background. Yes. So first of all, before I jump into this, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really do appreciate it and looking forward to the conversation here today. Um, so just a little bit of background. Uh, I'm, my name is Richard Waith. I'm from Miami, Florida. Um, I was uh, raised here. I can't say born and raised because I was born in New Jersey, but I moved to Miami when I was one. Um, but uh, uh, raised in Miami, pretty much knew this my whole life. Uh, I went to pharmacy school at University of Florida. It's the only time I left Miami for a couple of years. Go uh, Gators. Orlando campus. Yeah. And um, uh, that's really where, you know, a lot of my leadership and a lot of uh, my, my career obviously really started in pharmacy school. I was actually an intern with Target Pharmacy at the time, um, coming out of my P1 year. And um, throughout school, you know, I was heavily involved on campus. Um, and then I was an, in an intern for this company that was creating medication education videos. And uh, I did that for a couple of years and uh, went into community pharmacy practice, got really passionate about patient engagement, um, MTM. And uh, I worked at Target. I was with them when they converted over to CVS. And then I uh, finalized uh, uh, my last employer before Buka Health was with Publix. Um, during that time, though, I was really um, building my brand. I was really writing, I started writing articles. I started a podcast called RX Radio, really got heavy and deep into digital media production and just seeing how technology, media production, and all that kind of fused with patient education, pharmacy, and healthcare. Um, and then about two years ago, I was fortunate enough for that startup that I was working for um, when I was an intern in school. 
uh, reached back out and asked me to come back and run the company's operations as president of Buka Health. So that's my current role now. Uh, our company creates medication education videos and we license these videos out to um, health systems, pharmacies, specialty pharmacies and the like. So um, that's just a quick high level overview about myself. Okay, thanks for sharing that. It is very cool. Um, I know a lot of uh, our classmates, because we went to school at the same college of pharmacy, uh, know of you, and they talk about you, and they're like, oh, he's, we see Richard everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool what, what you have done for yourself and the brand that you've built uh, certainly has made an impact, so it's, it's really cool to see that. All right, so let's jump into it, uh, but I'm very curious, before I, I really get into the heat of things, um, I always like to know why. So in terms of these virtual rotations and your Twitter post back on March 12th, um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what were the events that led up to that? Like, why did you post it? Obviously, we have a pandemic that's going on, but what were some of the things that went through your mind that led up to that Twitter post? Yeah, so about a, about a year ago, maybe when I first got to VUCA Health about two years ago, I always knew that, okay, we, we, I want to get more students involved with, um, with the company and give them some exposure to digital health, um, what we do. And um, I work from home. I'm, I'm right now, technically, this is my quote unquote office. So uh, realizing that, and I also started to see working from home that there's a lot of different companies out there that most of what they do is working from home is virtual. And um, especially as you start to move, move away from obviously direct patient care. But even nowadays, even uh, with some companies, direct patient care is happening when um, providers are at home. Uh, so I knew I wanted to get students involved. And so I did already about a year ago start um, uh, partnering with a couple of schools down here in South Florida to start a virtual rotation. So it was something virtual rotation was already something on my mind that I knew I wanted to do. Um, obviously, being in Miami, though, with the two schools, we were still able to meet in person and things like that. Um, but the majority of the rotation was going to be virtual. And then obviously, with the pandemic happening, I just started to think about, man, if I was in school, and, um, you know, I, I started seeing that hospitals were limiting visitors coming into, um, into just just visitors to like visit inpatients and people that are admitted. And then I started wondering, they're probably going to start cutting back like, people that aren't, you know, really need to be in the hospital, they might start looking to minimize that, that sort of foot traffic in the hospital. And then I started thinking about rotations. And then I started seeing people talking about concerns about their rotations being canceled. And I'm just thinking to myself, if I'm a student, like it's going to really, it would be terrible if after all of this, due to a pandemic, I was not able to graduate yeah. because we weren't able to like take this rotation experience virtual. And I just like, in my mind, I was like, man, like, I really hope that that's not like really going to happen. So let me just post on this and just say, like, anyone has any issues, um, you know, reach out. I would love to have you and make sure that you graduate on time. So the current priority is really to make sure that we were taking on students that were in jeopardy of graduating on time because a, a rotation that they needed to have was going to get canceled. And um, I posted on Twitter, I posted on Facebook, most of my, you know, social media platforms. Uh, LinkedIn is where it really like it just really took off on LinkedIn. I think right now, the last time I checked, and I'm still getting like increasing traffic for that one post. It was something like 50,000 people like has seen that that one post. Oh, wow. And um, within a day or two, like of posting that, like back in March 12th, I think I had about 15 uh, different schools and students reach out, um, which you know immediately just told me like this is definitely going to be a problem. So that was really the why. It's just realizing that. 
I would be, I would hate to be in the situation for a student to not graduate or, or to be that student that wasn't graduating, especially in, in 2020 when, you know, you have, you know, companies that are completely fully operating uh, virtual. So um, that was one of the, that was really the why. That's why I posted that. Yeah. And obviously the need was huge given, you know, the, the interactions that folks have had with it. So um, pretty awesome. I, I'm curious. Um, I, I didn't really get a good sense of it. Is virtual rotations is probably more of a new concept to a lot of the folks out there in the pharmacy space. Um, could you talk a little bit about how long you've been doing this, or like what was what's the capacity look like? Because it sounds like you've done this in the past a little bit. Yeah. So initially, you know, we wanted to be a very normal site, which you know, hopefully in the future this will, this will go back to that, where we would only take you know one, maybe five mm-hmm. students a month. Um, that's really what the capacity we wanted to, because at the end of the day, it takes a lot of time to work, you know, to work with a student and give them, uh, you know, the attention and, and kind of work through a lot of the things that they'd want, we'd want them to learn um, on the site. Um, but because of the situation that happened, and I didn't want to like set a max just because I also felt, you know, again, because of technology, we should be able to scale something like this. Uh, last Monday, we had about 29 students start the rotation. So <laughs> Good um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's something that will continue. You know, I'm still like learning as you know, to see what type of time commitment it's going to take to scale, you know, from like a five student rotation to like a 29 student rotation. So um, we're, we're still seeing how that goes. But uh, I don't know if that's something that will continue going forward. We'll probably ha- have like a much less of a cap. Um, although now I'm starting to hear that people's first rotations is starting to get canceled. Uh. Um, so even people that are, that are not graduating 2020, they're graduating 2021. They're having issues with their, their first rotation getting started. So, um, I'll probably, we'll probably be doing some support there as well, but the capacity again, initially, um, we, because I wanted to have some, like a lot of like one-on-one time with the students, we were going to cap it. Um, we were using it to cap it like right around five, but you know. Got a, a couple dozen here. <laughs> right now. Well, ho- hopefully it goes well, and we'll, we'll maybe ask a little bit about your experience um, later down the road on how that's been, how that has been going. Yeah. So, um, since you have been doing this for a while, and I imagine a lot of individuals in the pharmacy community is interesting, perhaps in doing virtual rotations. Can you talk a little bit about you know what it was like to get set up as a virtual preceptor? What does that even mean? What did you? and your organization have to do to make that work? So initially, uh, it was supposed to be a, um, a, a this is supposed to be a, an elective rotation. Hmm. So one thing that I knew for sure was that, you know, because um, ACP does have regulations around uh, in-person requirements for like certain core, uh, you know, for certain core rotations. So we, we definitely knew that um, there was going to be, uh, we, we were not going to be able to be a core rotation. So one thing I knew off the bat was reaching out to some of the um, APB coordinators and saying, hey, uh, we want to set up, you know, a virtual rotation. Um, we can meet in person. It, was, it is optional if the, if the student wants to come either, either because they're living in Miami or they want to like come down here for a month. Um, there is an opportunity for us to meet in person and, um, you know, have meetings one-on-one. Um, but Really, it was just for me, it was just outreach initially. So before the pandemic, I was uh, I was reaching out to the schools and saying, hey, you know, I'm really interested in setting up a rotation. Um, you know, let me know what your thoughts. Usually what they'll do is they'll set up an interview and the uh, APP coordinator will set up an interview with the with the head of the, or, you know, the company or the priest, whoever's going to be the lead preceptor and just kind of talk through like what the students will do. 
um, maybe get to know you and your background a little bit. And then I think they then kind of discuss internally amongst their teams to see if it's a site that they want to add. And then, uh, then they send you a, uh, like a, an affiliation agreement essentially. And then also ask, sometimes they'll send you a syllabus as to like what they expect for you to cover. And then sometimes they'll ask you to send them a syllabus. But um, the most important piece I think that was getting set up was uh, getting the, um, the affiliation agreement in place, which is between the company and the school. And then, um, and then I think that a lot of times they'll have either a paper preceptor application or an online preceptor application, which you fill out a lot of information about yourself, like where you went to school, um, your, your job history, and then it'll ask you also details about the rotations, like what the students will be doing and things like that. Okay. So it seems as though, um, if I could recap, a lot of it was based on you initially reaching out and then working through any questions that the coordinators would have and you fill out any paperwork. Um, I'm curious, um, how long would you say that process took before the pandemic? And how long has that process kind of taken now that we're in the pandemic? So... I would want, I want to say it was, it was a couple weeks with some wow. of them. And, you know, there was definitely no sense of urgency, obviously, from when I first reached out to them to, you know, setting up an interview, just depending on schedules and then the turnaround of that affiliation agreement, um, you know, getting set up with the, there's a couple different um, student management systems that are, that are available like core um, and like farm academic and those types of things. So um, that definitely takes a couple weeks uh, with the pandemic. Um, it, it de everything almost changed in terms of now the students and the preceptors were reaching out to me most likely because they saw that form. Um, and then it some, I mean, I, I think there was one or two schools that I think within the day that like I contacted them, like we were good to go. Um, and I think the, it, the max was like four to seven days that it took for a turnaround time to get our site set up. So, but there was definitely a sense of urgency um, because, you know, these preceptors, like literally by the hour, were getting notifications that some of their students had to be displaced from the rotation. So um, I think because of that sense of urgency really drove that, uh, really drove that, that, um, that speed of getting everything set up. So, so um, a day is pretty short. Did they take out a lot of paperwork or agreements or something like that? Like, how did it become a day? No, I think... Um, I don't think there the, all the paperwork has always been the same. Like I haven't, I don't think I've done more or less paperwork for each school. It's pretty much all been the same. Um, it's mostly that affiliation agreement. And I think be, some of that turnaround time is also some speed on Buka Health side. So like um, being the president of the company, I have full authority to like execute that agreement. So I'm able to just review that, um, make sure, you know, there's no red flags that would require me to have something changed or send it to our lawyer. And then, um, and most, most of it's all seemed pretty standard and straightforward. And then I would um, I would turn that that document um, like right back around to them. But if you are in a particular company that you know will require um, you know extensive review and, and um, you know a lot of different people might have to approve on it, there there might be some barriers. And that's not on the school side; that would be on the site's side. So um, that might be an issue. But for me, because uh, because of the position I'm in, I, I was able to get those things executed fairly quickly on our end. Okay, that's very helpful to know. Um, so individuals and other sites that might, might want to do this may have more delays depending on um, their organization turnaround. Uh, one additional question on that is you keep saying the affiliation agreement. Um, is that difficult to fill out for preceptors and organizations? It's not. Um, it, it really all, technically all you really have to do for the affiliation agreement is sign it. 
Mm. Um, but the problem is, is that there's a lot of different um, stipulations in there that you just have to make sure because some of them require like insurance and liability things. And some of them have other requirements that you just have to kind of read through and understand. Um, but, you know, without reading that, obviously, which I would not recommend, I'd recommend everyone make sure they read that. Like all you really have to do is sign it and send it back. Okay. Good to know. I did, yeah. I, I just thinking, you know, putting a hat hat on, if I was a preceptor that wanted to do this, what are some of the things I would need to think about? Um, okay. Let's, let's move on a little bit. Um, some of the more intriguing questions that I'm curious about is your students and logistics with the students. Um, specifically, what kind of activities, um, this is going to be dependent on the rotation, of course, but um, what kind of activities do you have your students do and how often do you usually meet up with them? Let's say on a daily basis and on a weekly basis. So I think it's really going to depend on um, my week in terms of like how often I'll meet with them. So it is me and one other person that is uh, uh, our VP of clinical ops. That's also kind of um, she's not an, like an, an official preceptor that's connected with the schools, but she's on my team that's supporting with the rotation. So, um, she's, she's very helpful in terms of making sure that we can, you know, provide as much value to the students as well. Um, but it really depends on our weekly schedule as to how often we can meet. But, um, I would say we meet probably a minimum of twice a week, um, in person, like when I say in person, a virtual meeting on go to meeting, um, very similar to how we're meeting here on, on, on zoom. Uh, one fun fact about the logistics of it. So initially, we never had a need to have a meeting with more than 30 people. And, uh, and our go to meeting thing, like had a max, I think the max was like 20 or 25, like we had like the lowest okay. tier. And, um, and uh, it's really funny, because so I have a, a roster of all the students that you know, we are, I'm expected to be on there, which was 29 or so. And then I'm on the thing, like we're on the meeting and like, I'm calling these people's names and they're like, they're not on the meeting. I'm like, yo, I can't believe these people just didn't show up to this meeting right now. <laughs> like, you know, how dare they? <laughs> um, but it turns out like we had, we didn't have the, uh, we just didn't have the capacity and people were trying oh. to join. And join. Um, so like I had to, you know, fix that. I had to go and make sure we had enough capacity to handle that sort of meeting. So we had to go to the next level up and go to meeting. That was really funny. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but um, we meet on go to meeting. Um, and I would, you know, it was it, some, some of the meetings are long because I, I actually wanted to get to know them. So, um, you know, have like one-on-one -on -one conversations with them, uh, in terms of logistics of the meetings, um, the chat box is really useful. Um, instead of like people trying to jump in and ask questions and stuff, they can just use the chat box to kind of communicate. Um, so I think that was a pretty good tip there. Um, and then in terms of the activities that the students do, being a virtual rotation, it really requires the students to be really self-like motivated to do things, um, which is also part of the strategy for uh, our initial meeting with the students is to really get to know them and get to know like you know what they're passionate about or um, what their career wants to be because uh, because of how dynamic our company is and and just digital health in general, we're able to really tailor what the students' experiences are to the student. And the reason I think that's important is because it's it's like a, a very like kind of on your own kind of self-motivated, self-driven sort of like activities. I want it to be something that they would be passionate about to like be encouraged to like either work harder on or do more of versus like just checking the box to do what they need to do and call it a day, you know. So um, a lot of what they're doing, though, is on their own time, especially, you know, for only meeting like twice, two or three times a week. Um, and then, you know, we can definitely jump through, you know, uh, all the different specifics of activities they do if you want to jump into that. But, um, but that's from a high level, what we do. 
Okay. And I guess maybe two uh, other high-level questions is the first one would be on a related note. Um, that very first meeting sounds like it's very important to get to know the student, what they're interested in. How long would that meeting take is like the first question, like the very first day, I'm assuming you're meeting with all of them. And then the second question is when you're meeting with students, you know, on a weekly basis, two times a week, it sounds like, are you meeting again with the large group? Or are you meeting with like one student at a time, two times a week? Yeah. So right now it is going to be, um, we're probably going to do the large group hmm. uh, and meet with them, um, you know, two or three times a week. And then I'm not really sure exactly if, you know, with some of the projects that they're doing, if everyone's going to be able to always present their particular project, because that's going to be a significant time constraint. Um, but that first meeting was about two hours long, um, you know, which was, if you think about it, just a couple of minutes each, you know, we already have, we already let them know what the questions were ahead of time that we were going to ask um, each student. So, you know, you just imagine just kind of going around, you know, going around the room, quote unquote, um, kind of just asking, you know, you know, what's their experience? What do they see their career in the next five to 10 years? So, you know, it, it's pretty, it's actually pretty quick. Um, so, but again, that took like around two hours, maybe a little bit less. And um, I think you'd asked about kind of, uh, what was what was the other question? I, I'm not sure if I answered both questions. I think you had two. Uh, it was like kind of the first question, but I, I think you did answer it. It was just like, uh, how long did that first meeting go? Because I'm assuming 30 students, how much time can you actually get uh, through all of it? Uh, and it sounds like two hours was like about the time for the first meeting. Yeah, yeah, it was about two hours. I think the other thing you asked about, I think I answered both of them, but it was around like the, um, like when I do meet with them like every week, like is it all, all at once? Yeah. Um, I do, I, I do foresee some situations and, um, you know, one of the things that I had particularly brought up to the students was, and, and I'll be meeting with them one-on-one -on -one for this. There's a good, there's a, I don't, it's not a large percentage, but there's a good chunk of the students that don't have a job lined up because they have like, they wanted to get a residency or something just didn't work out. So I told them like, Hey, look, if you don't have a job lined up, like, um, you know, send me an email. I didn't have them like announce it or anything. I said, send me an email and, um, you know, we'll connect one-on-one -on -one and I'll see if I can help. So though I will be having one-on-one -on -one conversations with the students that I think are, you know, having some trouble with uh, getting a job lined up and things. So um, that's going to require some one-on-one -on -one time. But for the most part, the goal for us is going to be when we have like presentations and projects that everyone is is tuned is like in one meeting, um, and because it's going to allow them to just everyone is going to get to be able to see what everyone else is either going through or. Um, we're gonna. It's gonna allow us to really get out the messages that we want to get out, even though we probably didn't call on them to present a particular topic that day. Should do it like how we used to do it in UF, where you randomly call on the student. <laughs> that's ex that's exactly what I'm doing. Oh, you are doing that. That <laughs> yeah, was terrible. So, that was a terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so so I'm literally using that model where any. I don't even know if a student will see this or not, but the, we didn't really tell them that this is what we're doing. But oh, okay. What, what, we'll, what we'll probably do is like say like, listen, this is a project that you have to present on and like you might get called on, you might not get called on. <laughs> so uh, so we might use that model. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. That's going to be a work in progress. Oh, those are some stressful days. Okay. Well, <laughs> if any of your students watch ahead of time, they can get a heads up from here. Um, yeah. So I think another question uh, that both students and preceptors would be interested in is, you know, the activities, some of the specifics. It sounds like you're having them do projects and presentations. Um, I guess for the projects and presentations, what are the kind of topics you're having them do it on? And 
yeah, let's just start there. What are the kind yeah. of topics you're so, having? There? So th there's core topics and then there's topics specific to them. And we have them doing assignments. We have them doing daily assignments every day. Um, uh, and then like weekly projects and weekly like content creation. Um, so we have some of the, the core, the core things that we're going to have them do. Every student is going to be, um, kind of business reviews, which is, which basically allows them to, we'll, we'll like assign them a digital health company or a company that we feel is like in the digital health space. And we'll ask them to say like, what does this company do? How do they generate revenue? What's their business model? Um, what recent news or what recent things have they announced or that they're doing or, or things like that. And it's really just to dive into, and then I'll like pry. A lot of times I know about these companies. So like I'll pry and like ask more questions to have them be a little bit more thoughtful about what it is that they're, um, you know, they're researching. And um, that's kind of core on um, that marketing. Um, they'll, they'll be doing like marketing strategies and things like that. And then um, also core is creating patient education content. So that's where our medication education videos come into play. Those are all like core to like every student's probably going to be doing that. Now, based on the con that first meeting that we have to get to know the student, maybe the student's passionate about women's health. Maybe the student's passionate about, um, you know, uh, critical care, or maybe they're passionate about industry. Using those, they, they then get assigned their own topic based on like basically what they, you know, how they answer some initial questions. And then we'll give them presentations and topics to present on and content to create based on those um, interests that they have. Very interesting. It seems, I mean, your company is really set up to handle these kind of activities for students. Very useful and practical things as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's mostly stuff that we do, you know, and then part of it is if I have a meeting coming up with a company, let's say, um, whether because they're a, they're a company that's a customer of ours or they're someone that we're trying to, you know, get business from, I'm doing a lot of that research also. Like I'm looking at the company, I'm researching, making sure I'm up to date with any, any recent, you know, innovations they have or any news that's been going on with them. That's important for me to know for the meeting. So it's a skill and a, and a, and a, um, a skill set, I think, that allows students to, if they do go into roles in digital health space, where they're going to be meetings with multiple companies often, this will be something that they would need to know how to do. Okay. Very cool. Um, I'm curious for my own selfish purposes, do you utilize any virtual education for them? Like, let's say there's a training video, you want them to learn about how to create this patient education content. Do you have things queued up already that they can just go watch or readings and stuff like that? Uh, we don't, we haven't created our own yet, um, but we probably will over the course of this year. Um, but mostly what I use in terms of like creating digital media content is I had that one article that I wrote. So I have them writing medium articles and I wrote a medium article about how to write a medium article. <laughs> so I'll have them review that. Um, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk has a lot, of, uh, a lot of information about how to create and distribute media content on social media. I have them review that, which is a huge deck. Um, and then, um, yeah, but that, that's, that's kind of right now what it's like. And then we have a, um, one thing that I didn't mention too is uh, and this is something we've done with the previous students is we, we set up a, um, a WhatsApp group chat. And then on that, it allows the students to submit the content that they create for social media to be posted. And then it allows us, it allows me to also provide feedback and like help them and talk through things um, kind of like in, without having to like be in person on a conversation. So the WhatsApp is also helpful for like, just like, you know, everyday communication. Okay. Sounds, sounds good. Lots of activities to keep them busy. Um, so let's move on to another question. And I think this is a, a very interesting one, especially with the licenses that you brought up earlier is 
Um, it sounds like you're using GoToMeeting as the platform to meet with your students. And did you have was your version free before you did 30, 29? Oh, it wasn't free. You were paying for it already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is a very practical question for folks. Is um, so you're using GoToMeeting. Is there any platforms that you would recommend to preceptors out there? I think a lot of folks maybe who might not have funding for a platform, since you're saying GoTo's not free. Do you have any recommendations on platforms and any other maybe tips on platforms for folks out there? So I have not done a, a, a any sort of analysis between like Zoom, Skype, um, GoToMeeting, some of these other platforms. So like I, I, I wouldn't be able to really speak on any differences between them. Um, what, what does seem pretty apparent though is that every school has a... Um, a relationship with uh, most schools have relationships with some of these um, platforms. So it might make sense to maybe reach out to the school to see if you can get access because a lot of times the schools will like provide you access to like their resources and libraries mm -hmm. like LexiComp and like, um, you know, all those different things. So that's one thing. That's not what we did because obviously our company already has um, already had something set up. Um, but I think that I don't know if there's any, I don't know what the free platforms or like I don't know if Zoom has a I think Zoom and Skype has like free um, versions but I don't know the limitations there so um, for us because we use GoToMeeting all the time it's something that we it just made sense for us to like have paid for and now obviously for us to you know expand our license um, I do know our license ranges between I, I think the initial licensing and depending on how many users you add ranges between like I want to say like $700 all the way to like $1,500 if you only have like a handful of users per year. So Oh, per year. Yeah. And then you also think about too, like, you know, the students, when you, when you precept students, the school also um, uh, pays you sometimes. Like not all schools do this, but some schools actually pay a stipend to the site to pay for these types of things to like be, so you can, um, so you can actually like have tools and services to like help the patient, uh, help the patient, help the student um uh like help the student with with the with the rotation so well that's very helpful so they you could help fund some of these things from students basically i mean from taking yeah, on so, students so some schools have like a like a well, i don't know what they i don't know if the right word is a stipend but some schools have a stipend that they pay the the, the, the site like so the organization that um you're working for gets funds to take on the students which allows you to like then you know um have the money to do certain things if you need to for them. Okay, the um, I'll, I'll just bring it up because I've been using it. I I think it, the platform is a very pract practical question and topic to speak on. Um, I use Zoom a lot. My current uh, academic institution uses just switched to it. I know um, some folks in the federal government just switched to it because it's so easily integratable. Um, so it is free. Zoom is actually free that anyone can use. It's easy to um, log into. Um, but once you surpass, I think it's, uh, two individuals, like three, let's say if we had three on a call, yeah, yeah, then the meeting will end after 40 minutes. Oh, oh, like individuals in a meeting. Yeah. If we, if we had a zoom meeting, like right now, this is, I mean, this is a zoom meeting. Um, it's mm. unlimited. We can speak for hours if we wanted to, but once we add one, uh, one additional individual, then we're capped at 40 minutes where we have to end the meeting. But Interesting. it's free, right? It's pretty cool. Um, mm. Capacity is 100. And then something that I think is very fascinating is one of my classes right now is on the pandemic. And obviously, there's a lot of interest in the pandemic and how we can address it. Uh, our My school uses 
um, Zoom, and it broke because on the very first day, uh, we had 400 students, oh, and wow. it just broke. Yeah. And so that that needs like the highest tier license uh, to get. But anyways, I uh, just think it's very fascinating um, to talk about platforms. So I think the biggest tip that I heard was about your um, uh, stipend that can potentially come from students, and that could actually fund some of the platforms. And then the second thing is maybe the school can offer the preceptors use of their platforms too. Yeah. So the the one about the, the preceptor, you know, reaching out to the preceptor to ask if they have a license, I've never heard that that is a thing that happens. That's just oh. something that because this is all kind of new possibility though. Um, yeah, I think it should be it should be a possibility if if these schools already are opening up their complete resource library that they're paying probably thousands of dollars for probably, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for every year they're offering it to, to their preceptors i would i would assume that maybe they should have in place um uh, a way that their preceptors can also maybe get access to the online meeting platforms that the school uses as well yeah and maybe that's another topic that we can explore uh in the future just to make it easier for preceptors to get onboarded and help uh, virtually precept students yeah okay um I had another question about sharing precepting responsibilities. It sounds like you're already doing that with one other individual. Yeah, yeah. We have at least two people. We have a, a team of other people that the students will uh, potentially meet with. Um, I'm not sure if we'll do it at, at a scale of 30, but uh, down the line, we'll, we'll have other people on the team that the students interact with. Um, but from a, from a preceptorship standpoint, it's mostly me and one other individual. And I guess um, going back to what you said earlier about two times a week, are you both sharing the two times a week or are you each individually doing two times a week? So far, it's been it's been a shared meeting. Shared meeting. Okay, cool. Um, so I think a lot of that is the key content. Hopefully that will help some of the, the preceptors and stuff out there. seems like everyone is so captivated with your conversation that they haven't asked any questions so far. <laughs> so so that's, yeah, that's good. We're, we're definitely going to share this uh, video out so as many people can see it and give practical information to them. Uh, but let's move on uh, to one of the other key pieces of content from what you've learned is barriers and challenges. So going from, did you say two virtual students before? Yeah, that was like the max that we were wanting. We were <laughs> yeah. wanting to have the max of five. And okay. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about some of the barriers and challenges? It, it doesn't matter if it's now or even before, but some of the barriers and challenges that people can expect from any perspective, whether it's a student or a preceptor, um, and maybe some of the challenges of if you wanted to scale from two the 30. I know there's a lot of questions embedded in there, but yeah. basically so, barriers and challenges. The, one of the bigger challenges um, that I think, and this is this is not just from a virtual you know um, rotation, but just anything virtual in general. Uh, the difficult thing about having virtual interactions is that um, a lot of times you can't really feed off of someone else's energy to realize a response to something that you said or did. So. A lot of times when I'm trying to um, ask them, like tell, give them an assignment, the, the students, or tell them about something or get feedback, there's no great feedback as if you would have it in person. And I think there's also might be some limitations for students to maybe not, you know, speak up as they would virtually versus if they were right next to you or in front of you in person. So I think some of the like emotional sort of like interactions that kind of feed off of like either body language or facial expressions, things like that, like you can't really get a lot of that virtually 
um, which I think is a barrier. And that's in everything, um, you know, whether that be patient care or, um, you know, um, business meetings or, or these, these rotations. Uh, I think trying to get a figure out how to get your feel for feedback around the things that you're trying to accomplish virtually um, has definitely been a barrier. Uh, I think the other barrier too is trying to, um, I think quantifying the work that, you know, a student's doing is probably going to be a barrier at some point. I don't know how, you know, strict or how, how some of these schools are going to work through this. Um, but when you have a student that shows up to a particular site from nine to five, you know that they're there from nine to five for the most part, but, you know, maybe only an hour of that, maybe they're doing like real work that, you know, you might've expected, you know, who knows, right? Um, versus on a virtual rotation, they're not showing up at any given time. So there's not a real way to monitor or measure exactly, you know, the time that they're quote unquote, like on site. So I think that's another barrier um, that we're, that we're, we're probably going to face as, as a whole. Um, and those are the two things I can really think of. Okay. And it's kind of related to one of the last questions that I'll ask, but um, I'll ask it pinpointed at those two barriers you just listed is, have you come up with any specific strategies on how to tackle those barriers so far? For me, it's trying to keep things as open as possible for the first part in terms of like, you know, getting feedback and seeing what the students think. For me, it's trying to be as open as possible to like, just making, making everything seem welcoming. Like the goal for me is to make it, because I feel like, you know, maybe some people jump on and they might be intimidated um, by being, you know, with one, so many different students um, or being, you know, intimidating because maybe they like saw a post that I had and they just, they've seen me on social media and for some reason they might be intimidated for whatever reason. So trying to just make sure that like, it's a welcoming, like good environment to like, for them to like speak, you know, whatever they have on their mind is I think is, is one thing that I try to, try to do whether that be through like humor or just like you know try to show people that I'm human and I make mistakes and you know like I was in their shoes at one point um and just really showing that I want to help them as much as possible that has been my particular strategy with trying to make that like as open as possible um as for the other part um I think that's a work in progress for us where we haven't really um we haven't really nailed down exactly how we're trying to measure that luckily you know not say luckily but we know we're not reporting you know a minute by minute breakdown to anyone so we're just doing our best to make sure that students have enough um, projects and work to do um, and so far that feedback has been like you know there hasn't been either too little or you know that seems like we're giving too much out so we seem like we might have find like a, a happy medium uh, two comments on on those two points. The first thing is, I wonder if we can coin a new term as of April fourth, twenty twenty. We both know of white coat hypertension. I wonder if there's yeah. like a social media celebrity hypertension. Oh, because <laughs> <no. laughs> you're saying you're some people might get intimidated and stuff. So you know, we heard it first. Yeah, I, mean, April 4th. I don't know. That's just that's my assumption. Like I don't, I don't. No one's ever actually told me that. I mean, that could, that's just me just potentially assuming. That's also me thinking like if I went saw someone that like. You know, I only followed on social media and never talked to them. I might, I might feel intimidated talking to them on social media. So um, that's just me, like, you know, assuming. But not, that might not even be the case at all. But, okay, um, we coined the term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, social media hyper syndrome. Uh, the yeah. second one is, I'm curious, you know, there's so many students out there. And I'm assuming that preceptor, virtual precepting is going to be a limitation or one of the bottlenecks, at least for a couple months. Um, I wonder if 
we can take any of these strategies that the massively or the MOOCs, I don't remember what that stands for, massively online courses, and like Coursera. Are you familiar with the MOOCs? No, I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, um, let me try to look up what, what it stands for again. Um, it's something that I started using a couple years ago, massive open online courses. Um, oh, cool. And it's a great way to scale education. So a lot of the prestigious institutions would create online content, um, actually record lectures of their current classes, and then share it with everyone. But one of the, the, the difficulties in sharing it with everyone is that how do you grade everyone's thing? So they crowdsource a lot of the assignments where if someone does an assignment, another peer in the class would grade it. And that's how you get um, that kind of thing to work, I guess. But there, there's a lot of downfalls with it. I won't go into it, but I wonder if one of the strategies we can use if, we, if this does end up something that we need to scale is to look at some of the MOOCs um, and what they've done. But okay, let's uh, let's kind of almost wrap this up here. Is a question I usually ask everyone: um, is what tips would you provide in general to anyone that is looking to start a virtual rotation? If you're a preceptor, um, or if you're a student looking for virtual rotations. Yeah, so I think that the resource. I mean, if if this reaches them and they're going to hear this, I mean, I think. Uh, an important thing is going to be to look at that resource that you guys are creating, which um, if you want to give a plug for that, that'd be great because I think that that resource is going to be really helpful for both students and uh, preceptors, whether if you're a student, I would just caught like whatever, however you guys post it, send that to your APPE coordinator. Um, and then obviously if you're your APPE coordinator and you see this, um, use that particular resource because I think that's just the key to um, you know, helping your students with uh, making sure that they can graduate on time. Uh, what I had, what I did was if a student reached out to me, um, I, I told them basically, Hey, like um, the best thing you can do is have your student, uh, have your APP coordinator reach out to me. And I just, I would give them my email. So um, that was, the you know, that was really all I did. If a student would reach out, just say, Hey, have your APP coordinator reach out and we'll try to get it um, scheduled. Okay. And yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll, that's a good thing to comment. Um, is a selfish plug <laughs> where uh, we created a basically a Google form for APP uh, for preceptors that are interested in doing virtual precepting to sign up. It feeds into this ex Google Excel document that we made public. And so any APPE coordinators out there that is uh, able to, uh, per their school, allow their students to go on virtual rotations, can go on there and find the list of all the preceptors. And it's blown up actually in the last week. Uh, I think we have over like 30 or 40 individuals that signed up. Go on nice. there and, and contact individuals um, for there. So we're, we'll definitely share that. And I, I think that is great, great advice. Thanks for plugging us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, let me see. Is I, it live? Is it is it open right now? Like for people, the public to see it? Yeah, actually maybe I'll... Let me try sharing my screen here. Actually, I don't even know if this is going to work out great. Let me go into the Google Forms uh, and pull it up. And I'll post a link to the Google Form for any of the preceptors that are interested in taking a look at it. Um, let me open this. Oh, I see that Tony Dow. Thanks, Tony, for helping us out there with that acronym. <laughs> 
put it in the chat. Oh, you put it in chat. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, can you see the screen? Yes, I can. Okay, perfect. So this link is public, and whenever someone signs up in the form, uh, all their information will automatically populate here. So we, um, per your advice, actually, Richard, we we pulled a lot of the information that we had a discussion about, where you know all you really need is the name of the individual. Uh, I did ask for consent that their their information gets posted public. So this is a question to ask if they're they're okay with that. Names, description of the rotation, what type of rotation, um, max capacity to students, and then just any other comments. And since we're on this topic, I'm I want to know from your perspective, do you think there there is any other information that would be helpful to be collected on here from either the perspective of students that's looking at this, APPE coordinators or virtual preceptors? Uh, not that I can think of, honestly. I mean, it really, there's really not much, um, I think else that's important. Um, maybe the location, like oh. might be helpful, like in terms of where the company is based out of or, or, or their site is, um, because even though it's virtual, I mean, putting the location might, you know, present opportunities to meet in person. That's not a bad idea. Okay. Yeah. Something uh I can think of. Um, so I'll post a link to the form, which is, I try to keep it short to make this as easy as possible, uh, in the description of the video. Uh, let's stop sharing, go back here. Um, so that was my last question. Is there anything that I might've missed that you might want to add or comment on before we wrap no, up the video? I I, I mean, the only thing is, I think it's great that you're helping, you know, get, get the word out on there about this. Um, you know, when I first posted that, um, that message on social media, you know, it, it seemed like no one else was like kind of from a preceptor standpoint was talking about it. Um, luckily I started to see a lot more preceptors, um, you know, start to even the core rotations kind of change how they're doing things, which is really great. And I think something like this is going to help make sure that we can get students to um, graduate on time, you know, and, and just make sure that they're not severely impacted by the pandemic um, any more than what it's currently doing to the economy and to the world. So, um, so yeah, the only, the only other thing I have on there is just like, I think it's great what you're doing and, you know, I'm going to try to see how I can get the word out there about that resource as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, I, all, all I can say is like the, this is a team effort. Um, thanks for giving us the idea and starting it. So hopefully we can scale this. We get the word out there. We can uh, see what we can do about core rotations. I know that's on a discussion topic that a lot of people are having. Um, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge as we get to it. Uh, looks like we have another question. Yeah. Let me wrap that up. Two questions from Mimi. So Brian, it might be helpful to add the time frame they are accepting students if you haven't already, oh, that's a good point um, about adding when they are accepting students. Okay, uh, I think we can definitely add that in. The fact that you're both thinking about students means everything. We appreciate you. Thank you for setting this up. Uh, we'll be sharing this with my coordinator. Well, that's great. Yeah, I mean, this this is definitely not thanks to me. Uh, Richard was uh, pretty instrumental uh -huh. in influencing a lot of folks out there. He got the word to, let's look at that tweet again, 119 retweets on Twitter and 428 likes. And then you said it was like 50,000 on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it, it had like the, the views was 50,000. The last time I checked like yesterday, I think um, it was legit. It, it really went 
quite far. That was, I've <laughs> never had a post on LinkedIn go, go do that well. So like, that's not like a normal thing for me. Like that, that's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it just speaks to volumes uh, in terms of like how much need is out there and, and how, how great that what you're doing is. And I do want to give a shout out also to um, my colleagues at Pharmacy Informatics Academy because they've been really pushing, sharing the awareness of the forum. And then also Tony Guerra. Um, I know you, you said you didn't speak to him before uh, this about this. I haven't spoken to him specifically about this. No, I, I love Tony, though. He's a great guy. Yeah, Tony's Tony's yeah. pretty awesome. I heard him talking about it in some of his videos, and I think that's where I heard about rotations being canceled too. So it's great. It's community. We're all in this together. Uh, hopefully, we make some good progress, and uh, this will continue to evolve. Yeah. Well, Again, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Richard. Uh, and thanks to everyone that's on the live stream. We're going to wrap this up and see you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Again, I'm going to include all the resources we covered in the show notes below. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. And a lot of times people hear about these episodes through social media. But if you're not already connected with me on social media, you can search my name, Richard Waith, on any of the platforms. Uh, you should be able to find me. And you can also connect and follow uh, RX Radio on social media as well, whether that be Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. It really, really means a lot. I really do appreciate it, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Pharmacy.